Welcome to Rhode Island's Church and State Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Jessica. We're a husband and wife podcast. He's a pastor and I'm a state senator. So you've been warned. We're about to talk politics and religion. And anything else that might get us canceled. Hello again. Thanks for joining David and I on another episode of Church and State. Today's topic, should people of faith get involved in politics? So David, should they? Absolutely. You know how I feel about this. Um, I definitely think we should be. You know, wherever you look in the Bible, you you constantly see people involving themselves in uh, in political affairs, whether it's uh, they're they're leading, whether they're kings, or whether they're just uh, serving in government or influencing government. I definitely see a role for for Christians. Um, you know, Jesus talked about us as people of light. And that we go into a dark place and we're supposed to bring that light. So I I know that the temptation is to just uh, not want to touch the political realm because it's dirty, it's corrupt, and we don't want to be corrupted. But I would say um, we we, we need to be there. We need to insert ourselves in those kind of conversations. What do you Mm. think? Well, I people would always say that to me. And in fact, I actually used to say politics is dirty, which is one of the reasons why I didn't want to get involved. And someone said, that's exactly why you should be involved. And um, the other question that I get is, well, won't you become corrupted? Well, you anybody can come, become corrupted. It doesn't matter how good you think you are or mm-hmm. how holy you think you are or devout. Um, so having good people around you, making sure that... Uh, you know, they keep you keep you in line, keep you in check. That's important. Reminds me of a previous episode when we talked about that inner circle. So yes. you would say your inner circle helps to keep you grounded and and uh, honest and and uh, I don't want to say uh, incorruptible, but it, it does help to protect you. Yeah, yeah, it's accountability. Yep. Mm, okay. Good. All right. So um, there are five levels. We're like always doing five. Yeah. I, I, I like, like it because I can hold up my hand and I've got five fingers. Most of the, you know, unless some horrible Well, you used accident. to have six, but you had a horrible accident and <laughs> lost one, right? <laughs> I was born with six fingers. <laughs> I'm just no, kidding. I, no horrible accident. <laughs> now people are going to be looking for pictures of me with a missing finger. No, you've always had 10 of each, 10, ten fingers yes. and toes. So and, okay. I just find it easy to hold up a hand and say, here are the five levels of political activism. <laughs> okay. So number one, David, I would leading. say, yeah, I would say first is leading. And Jessica, this is not something you've done very well. Um, of course, you sat on the sidelines for a long time and you were involved and you would pray and you do do other things to kind of show some involvement and some um, uh, in, in, and uh, bring some attention to it. Uh, but you joined with many of the other people that I see, not just in the scripture, but even throughout uh, the history of um, uh, of uh, Christianity. These these men and women who stepped in to this role and uh, became significant leaders and shapers in society by becoming elected officials. I, I think one thing I would wonder, uh, one thing I would ask you, because I was wondering about this, and I know you weren't prepared for this question, but I think sometimes people wonder if it's okay to want to run for office. Like, are, are we supposed to be humble and are we supposed to just, you know, think of others, maybe they would be better to serve than we are? Is it okay for a Christian to say, you know what, I, I want that. I think I can, I, I think I can do that. What do you think? Well, I would say as long as you're doing it for the right reasons, if you're doing it for self, for what can you get out of it? Can you advance yourself in Mm. this, you know, quote unquote career? Because it's not a career, but some people look at it that way. Then I would say, no, you're getting in, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. 
Um, but you know, as I said in previous episode, I was very reluctant. You know, I didn't want to do it. But there are people that may want to, and they feel very strongly and passionate about it. And I would just say, yeah, just just make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons. Yeah, I mean, when I was looking through the Bible, I saw a lot of people that God kind of put his finger on and called them, whether it was through an angel or his voice. And he would just say, you're going to be a leader. You're going to be a king or you're going to be a, a, you know, a judge. And most of, the, most of the time, they were very reluctant. They weren't seeking it out on their own. So I, I really started to think about that. But I do agree that your motive matters. So if you want the title, I would say that's not a that's not a good reason. I don't think that's good enough. But if you if you're looking to make a difference, uh, if you believe that there's something wrong, there there's something you know just off about society, and you believe that you can bring some wisdom or some clarity or some conviction to it and uh, and change it, then I would I would encourage it. I think of someone you quoted once on the floor of the Senate. Uh, William Wilberforce. He was someone who was torn as a young man. Should he be be a pastor or be a politician? But one thing he decided, whichever path he went, he said, I'm going to make sure that that I follow my godly convictions, that I'm going to to do the, the best I can to, uh, to honor Christ in that mm. capacity. And those of you who don't know, William Wilberforce, he was uh, vehemently against slavery. Right. And so that was his life's work yeah. was to abolish slavery mm -hmm. in England. Right. Yeah. Ended the slave trade mm -hmm. and really set the pattern for other countries to, to join in and, and do the same thing. So I would say that first one, um, and, and not everyone's going to be able to do this. I think there are very, very few Christians who are actually able to step into a, uh, uh, into public service by being an elected politician or an, uh, an elected official. True. But leading, I would say, man, if you can do it, uh, if God can open up a door or you have that that conviction deep in your heart, jump into it. Uh, mm -hmm. Start developing it. Start paying attention. Surround yourself with people, but go for it. So number one would be leading. So number and you had just mentioned that not everyone can lead, which mm -hmm. brings us to number two, which is serving. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, again, there are too many people in the Bible to count, but there are a lot of people who aren't going to be the king. They're not going to be the leader, but they're going to be serving. Um, many times there are people who will serve alongside or under these elected officials. So people that come to mind right off the bat are Joseph. Uh, mm -hmm. Joseph served Pharaoh. Uh, Pharaoh wasn't necessarily a godly person, right? I mean, he was uh, he was an Egyptian. He wasn't a, a, a God-fearing uh, Jew, but Joseph uh, did his best to serve the people, serve the land, serve Pharaoh, and God used him to actually bring a, a great blessing to many, many people. Another example would be someone like Daniel. Daniel served under a Babylonian king, also not someone who is particularly godly, Nebuchadnezzar, mm -hmm. but God used him to also uh, uh, accomplish amazing things, great things through Daniel. So you can serve elected officials. The trick is it gets tricky when they advocate for positions that you don't necessarily agree with, mm -hmm. and that uh, that can get a little a little dicey. Uh, but I would say, as long as they're not asking you to do something that really violates your conscience, your conviction, I'd say go for it. Serve them, you know, um, whether it's uh, working in the, the their office or working, you know, in some other level of their staff. Yeah, get involved. Yeah, can and you, you think of another way? You know, to serve? some people, right? You that actually work. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and. Sometimes they agree with the uh, uh, the the person that they're they're serving, but many times they're not. You know, when it comes to religious issues or or um, yeah. some of these other convictions they may have, uh, they're not shared with their leader. 
but they still pray for them. They still do their best to, to kind of be that voice in the room when yeah. policies are being discussed um, to offer that uh, that other position, that other side. Which will bring us to number three, because we've got leading, serving, and then number three, resourcing. Yeah, some people won't be able to, to lead, and they're not even in a position to be on a staff or to serve in some town committee or a school committee, but they still want to to be a part of it. They still know that there are, whether it's candidates or leaders that they want to support. And I think um, there, there's, it's just a truth in the political realm that, that money is important, uh, that politics doesn't just run on personality or policies, but it also runs on the purse. And, uh, and that's something that's been, you know, I know you don't like fundraising. I hate fundraising. <laughs> I hate asking people for money. Yeah. Why, why is that? You don't, I guess it's a pride thing. Yeah. No, I really don't like asking people for money. It's right. the, the toughest thing to do. Um, but you're right. It does it does take funds. And mm -hmm. so so people know what funds are being spent on. You yeah, know? because I mean, sometimes I, I see some state senators, they have $100,000. And I'm thinking, my God, what are they going to spend yeah. $100,000 on? You've never raised that much. Um, no, but I would like to. Yeah. All right. So send your checks to <laughs> jessica4ri.com. That's terrible, David. <laughs> no. So some people are going to to use that money, and you and you, and you have heard mm -hmm. some of them fancy dinners, oh, and they're paying yeah. for. Some people do that, but um, you know, when it comes to a lot of a lot of the members at the General Assembly, a lot of the, this money goes to making a website, um, advertisements. I mean, like newspaper, Facebook, if as you go higher up, you might want to do, you know, radio and TV, but advertisements, mailings, mailings are very expensive. Mm -hmm. And, um, but they're effective in getting your message out, feeding and taking care of volunteers. Many times I stop at the grocery store, pick up water bottles and Gatorades and um, snacks for uh, people, pizzas, things mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. So uh, it, it actually does cost, uh, it does cost money to run campaigns, unfortunately. It does. I mean, palm cards alone, you've spent, I don't know, hundreds of dollars on printing palm cards because you'll right. go through, what, 8,000 palm no, cards? No, last time I went through 11,000. Oh, my God. 11,000 palm cards. Each of those represent a home that you went to and visited and, right. and spoke to. So, yeah, it, it can be expensive. And that might be an area that a person who's wondering how can they get involved, how can they help or or bring their godly convictions it might be through resourcing and providing resources to sure. a candidate. In my experience, Christians are among the most generous people in the world. Mm -hmm. um, they seem to be the first ones to respond when there's a natural disaster. They're the ones that are thinking about the needy around the holidays. And it's uh, Christians that give on a consistent basis, not 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 just to churches, but to other charities and, and nonprofits and organizations. So I would say that you know, for, for a believer, for a Christian, if there's a candidate or a cause, you know, political or uh, um, a, a, a particular candidate that you want to get behind and support, I'd say you could be an amazing help to resourcing them. What are some ways that a, that a person could resource a candidate? Yeah. So somebody like before I ran for office, it's not something I would normally do would be donate. So I have given donations in the past, but they're not, you know, uh, $5,000. Sometimes it's a $50 donation. Sometimes it's a 25, sometimes it's a thousand, sometimes 250, whatever mm -hmm. it is. Um, also, I would say that you don't really have to 
I'll worry about, say, you know, that large donation. You could have a little coffee get together at your house and have some friends come over and say, hey, listen, I want to support this candidate. Yeah. So if that you was, could all bring, you know, a check for X the, amount of dollars. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that was the first time that I went to a fundraiser with you. It was just uh, someone opened their home and mm -hmm. it was you and one other candidate and a bunch of friends just decided to show up and support you guys. And it was just a, a coffee and donuts. And you guys were able to talk about why you were running, what was important to you, but it was really just some friends and families and, and acquaintances, but they wanted to support you. Mm -hmm. So I think that would be another thing is just finding, um, you know, maybe there's that candidate and then just hosting, you know, maybe it's uh, picking up some coffee, some donuts, everybody brings 20 bucks or 50 bucks or, right. you know, if you really want to be generous, something uh, more substantial. Right. And I'm not saying this, you know, so that you do come to my website and give, but when the election time comes and there's a candidate in your district, in your town or city, and you are just passionate about getting someone else into office because whatever reason, um, you can make uh, a difference by helping them in that fashion. But I also say this is, you know, get on their Facebook page, follow mm -hmm. them, share their content, yeah. like their content, because um, it helps others, you know, the Facebook algorithms helps others see right. and then helps them get their message out. And it doesn't cost you anything to do that. Right. And um, it, when people donate to you, do they ever share with you what issues are important to them? Uh, does that play, uh, play a factor at all? Sometimes they do. Uh, but I like to ask because I want to know what's important to voters. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think that's good. If, if you are going to donate to a candidate, let them know what, what are your top what one or two or three issues? What are you really paying attention to? Because that'll help them, you know, as they're crafting and thinking about their message or thinking mm -hmm. about what they're going to prioritize, whether it's on a school committee or town council, city council, or at the state level, right? All that's going to be important. Good. So number four will be, uh, influencing. Yeah. I know that, uh, now that I've been able to see it firsthand, I know that elected officials are really just like anybody else. Some are busier than others, and they're not necessarily all going to have the same chance to do a deep dive into different policies and different issues. And each of us, especially as Christians, you know, we, we're very informed. We have our fingers on the pulse. We know what's happening in our communities. We know what's important to society. And many times we know uh, better how we can get society back on the right track. And I think we do a disservice when we just ignore the leaders in front of us who many times are, are kind of blind to these things. It's a blind spot to them. They don't know. And if you know uh, how, how to improve a school department or how to, uh, uh, you know, if you have a, a strong opinion on taxes or what it might do, share that and talk to an elected official. Sometimes you you receive emails and you might be asked to, to, um, to talk to somebody about a, a particular particular issue. But all of that is a way for someone to share their influence or try to influence you on, on the legislative agenda for the state mm. house. And I love hearing from constituents because those emails that I receive are informative. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there are statistics and data that I had not um, considered or haven't been presented to me yet that um, are really illuminating. And sometimes I even in use in committee. So reaching out to your legislators is absolutely uh, essential. And um, as I said, don't think that the information you're sending um, isn't important because it actually may be something that they haven't considered before. That's true. What about, what would you say to the person who isn't fortunate enough to have you <laughs> as their state senator? Listen, I've missed a few emails and so I'm not, uh, I'm not perfect, but 
Well, uh, I mean that maybe they have a an elected official who does not match their convictions. So they feel like they're going to send it to them and it's just going to go into their delete bin. You know, they're just going to put it in the trash bin of their, their email. Um, would you still advise them or, or encourage them to email them anyways or call them? Or what would you tell to that person, say to that person who is living in a, in a district where, man, I have strong godly or Christian convictions, but I'm not necessarily represented that way by my uh, town council mm -hmm. or my... Yeah, you still do it. You still have to reach out because yeah, there's always the chance that mm -hmm. maybe some something that you've sent them will be um, informative to them. It doesn't mean that they will they'll change their vote. Yeah, but you should still send the information because that's the kind of government we have. We have a representative government, and they're representing the people, and they need to hear from the people. I definitely believe there needs to be more communication, more talk between constituents and their lawmakers. Um, I know that. If we, uh, if if we pay attention to uh, just the news or social media, sometimes we walk away with a caricature of someone, and we think that oh, because they're from a different party as me, they just they want to destroy our state. They must hate this state. Yeah, that's, and that's not just, true. Yeah, that's not true. You work with these lawmakers, you disagree with them uh, on a host of issues, many of mm -hmm. them, but I think deep down they still do want the best for Rhode Island. They still love the state and they want to see it improve. They just have a totally different way of looking at it. That's exactly what I said on the Senate floor one day. There was a heated debate on the uh, school choice moratorium. And, uh, you know, emotions were running high. And one individual said, oh, you know, I'm, I'm getting uh, accused of hating com the community and this and that and whatnot. And uh, so I said, yeah, we all care about Rhode Island. We just believe differently on how to go about it. Mm -hmm. One other thing that, uh, and then we'll move on to the next one. One other thing that I do see um, as an effective thing is that it seems to be the loudest or most persistent voices seem to win. And I think this is why we need to have um, people who have more conservative convictions speak up. Mm -hmm. we, we have this, there's been a long history of what's called the silent majority in in the United States, and I would say even, maybe even in Rhode Island, sure. where there many of the people have more conservative opinions, and that even is true in in the way that they conduct themselves. They're not necessarily going to pick up the phone, make a lot of noise, complain, you know, go to a rally or or um, uh, make a lot of noise about a certain issue, but they 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 will speak up on election time, and I would just say that shouldn't be the only time that you're voicing your opinion or making your choice or your convictions clear. I think you have two years, four years, depending on the election cycle, to start influencing your lawmaker. So be familiar. First of all, I'd say you, you gotta know who your lawmaker is or who your town council or school committee mm -hmm. member is. If there's something that you feel is off about that, don't keep it to yourself, share it with them. Yeah. Make sure that you're communicating and talking to them about that because I do believe it's the loudest, the most persistent voices that are being heard. And it's, in my opinion, I feel like it's disproportionately representing what Rhode Islanders actually want. Yeah. I would say it, also don't put a lot of pressure on yourself that you have to write this long, fancy email. Mm. It can be short and to the point um, and really just from the heart. Yeah. Good. That's all right. So we'll move on to point number five, which is praying. Yeah, well, I feel like this is certainly the um, the easiest, but still the most important to do. I think that every single 
if you're a Christian, if I'm talking to someone who, who prays on a regular basis, I really would encourage you. I hope that you are praying for your elected officials and those that are leading and governing. Um, because for Jess and I, I know before we got involved in, in leading or serving or resourcing or even influencing policy and policymakers, we were praying. I mean, I can remember uh, all the way back to 18, 19 years old, I was praying for my um, my state, my my uh, city, and for my uh, national government. And why do you think that's uh, important to pray? Well, I, I mean, first of all, we are commanded over and over again throughout mm -hmm. the Bible to pray. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And what about, I think it's really hard to hate somebody when yes. you're praying for them. Yeah. Praying has this thing where it purifies your own heart. Uh, you start praying for a need, and sometimes you you pray because you just can't stand a certain official, and you you maybe you know it, maybe your heart's not in a in a good place. But the more you start praying for that person, it's this uh, not sneaky, but a clever way where God starts to soften your heart towards that person, where you do start to want to see them win, but you really want to see them receive receive wisdom you want them to receive clarity you you want them to to uh, to be able to make the right decision you've used this analogy a lot that uh you you hope that whoever the leaders are in front of us you want them to succeed because they're like a pilot flying a plane right and we're the passengers and i don't want the plane to crash right, right? so i'm hoping that they do a good job yeah so i think praying is as much for us as it, as it is for them. Um, and I would encourage you to pray for different levels of government, um, learn some of the names, some of the elected officials, pray for them, be familiar with some of the policies and some of the legislation that's that's working its way through the uh, the state house or the even the national level. But pray for wisdom, safety, direction, that these um, these leaders would, would make the, the best decisions. I, I even pray that God would surround them with uh, with good people wise people people of sound judgment who uh, who are truly trying to do the best and have have clean motives mm -hmm. thanks david i love those five can you just give me those bullets again one two three four five yes first leading th th these are the five ways you can engage in some political activism as a believer as a christian first i would say you should be leading second you should be serving third you should be resourcing fourth we all can be influencers and then fifth we all have the responsibility to pray president franklin roosevelt said democracy cannot succeed unless those who express their choice are prepared to choose wisely. The real safeguard of democracy, therefore, is education. Thanks again for listening. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, help us by subscribing and sharing these episodes. And for more content, check out churchandstateri.com.